I was watching the news earlier this week and saw people lining up for Centrelink benefits because they had lost their job. As part of that story, a reporter interviewed a prominent public identity and asked what she thought people should be doing right now. And her response was, firstly, people need to go to Centrelink and secondly, people need to do a budget. I was shocked at just how far off the mark this response was. Hi, I'm Carolyn Mose, co-host of the podcast series, Succeed With Money. I'm here with David Wright, founder of the Spending Planners Institute. The Institute is the leading authority in providing education and assistance in helping people to remove their money stress, solve their everyday money problems and get back in control of their lives. You know, nobody fails with money on purpose. So every week in our podcast, we're exploring the causes of money stress and the solutions so our listeners can succeed with money. You might be wondering why I was so shocked by the suggestion that people should visit Centrelink and do a budget. In today's episode, David and I will be discussing what we think are the five things people should be doing right now to survive the current coronavirus chaos, and doing a budget is definitely not one of them. Hi, David. Hi, Carolyn. This is going to be a good one today. You know, I spent the entire day yesterday creating a video which I called Why Budgets Don't Work. (laughs) So that should give our listeners a pretty strong cue as to why we're not going to agree with that person's tips. I'm not going to go into the details of why budgets don't work right now, but I, you know, we'll share that that video that I created yesterday on our podcast community members so people can watch that if they like. Yeah. And I think it's probably, um, you know, a a future podcast, a fairly soon kind of future podcast that we might deal with that in detail. But Mm -hmm. budgets don't work. People know that. But because all the money gurus say do a budget, people think when a budget doesn't work, it must be them at fault, when in fact it's the advice that's at fault. So we will deal with that in more detail later. Yeah, sounds like a really great idea, David, and really something that's really important for people at the moment. Um, So today, David, we're just going to talk about the five things that we really believe people should be doing right at this moment, hey? Yep, absolutely. And look, if someone's just lost their job or they've had their hours reduced and suddenly their their numbers are upside down, and and, for most people, they live one payday away from bankruptcy, I think is the common saying. But Well, and just saying that, David, I, again, in that Centrelink line the other day, there was um, one, one young man and I'd say, oh, probably, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and they said to him, so now that you have no income, how long Can are you f- going to be okay for? And he said, till next week. <laughs> yep. And that made me really sad. I thought, wow, okay. And it, so it's true, people are living pay to pay. Well, yep. and they have been for, for a very long time. But I think on the other side of this whole debacle, if you want to call it that, people will have a different approach to saving and different yep. thoughts about spending everything. But Right now, people have been living pay-to-pay, spending every cent that they earn. Yeah. And that's why we've suddenly got, you know, people in, desperately lining up in a queue because they, they need to eat next week. Mm-hmm. They need to eat this week. Yeah, yeah. So what people should be doing is what we want to discuss today and get really clear. And, um, you know, if someone has lost their job or had their hours cut and they're now in that situation, 
the number one thing that I think they should be doing is going straight to the people that they owe money to and saying, I've just lost my job. The last thing they want to do is have those people, the creditors, getting cranky and upset with them and going, well, you know what? If you're not prepared to talk to me about this situation, I'm not prepared to negotiate with you. Absolutely, absolutely. You know, and I've said to a couple of my clients, <clears throat> I had a, um, a young client who sent me a message last week. Well, she's not young. She's got a husband and, and four kids. She sent me a message and said, right, so I've just been told at work we're on skeleton staff. We're now one week on, one week off. Every second week has to be annual leave. I don't have any annual leave, so it's leave without pay. What do I do? Go get a credit card or stop paying the mortgage? <laughs> now, this came in a text message while I was in the middle of the hairdressers. So, oh, you're lucky you got that in last week because... I know, exactly. Hey. Yeah. So my response to her was, number one, do not get a credit card. Mm -hmm. And number two, call your bank immediately. Right? Yeah. So she did that. And we'll talk about that a little bit later, yeah. or unless you want me to tell you what the outcome of that was. Oh, I think um, we will get there. And look, you and I, at the moment, we're sort of, we've upped our, our schedule. Some of our listeners may not be aware that we're doing live Q&A sessions within the, the Succeed With Money podcast forum on, on yeah. our Facebook group. And last week, we interviewed Lawrence Hugo from Credit Mediation Services. And actually, I'd recommend people go and have a listen to that. But mm. in summary, Lawrence was basically saying, you know, go and talk to your bank because they, they know what's going on and there's a whole bunch of people out there. It's not like you're Robinson Crusoe. You're, you're not alone. Yeah. So um, if you're somebody in this situation, they're expecting you to call. So the first thing you should be doing is calling the people you owe money to and letting them know that you are in financial hardship. Yeah. And they're going to basically say, okay, well, then we'll, give you, we'll freeze your payments, I think is the terminology. Mm. Well, um, Lawrence actually said they would put a moratorium on your, which is essentially, yeah, that's that. That's a fancy word for freezing, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a big word for people, yeah, moratorium. moratorium yeah. And, yeah, essentially, so for this client, she actually rang her bank and they said to her, fine, we'll put a moratorium on your mortgage payment. You do not need to pay us any mortgage payments for the next three months. Mm -hmm. At the end of that time or close to that time, please call us. If it's still an issue, we can extend that for another three months and possibly another three months after that. So. That's um, and also what people have to realise is that there is no effect on your credit rating by doing that. Mm -hmm. um, there is no extra interest added to your loan. There is simply an extension of the loan at the end. Okay. Okay. Um, I actually, I'm not a hundred percent certain whether that's true. I've heard people say that the banks aren't charging interest, but I find that really hard to believe because people with money have to live too and they want their interest so we'll have to check up on that one but yeah okay yeah but not even having payments. said that david you know and like the choice that this girl had was you know do i get a credit card or do i extend my mortgage um a credit card is going to be at you know 15 plus percent probably mm. and the mortgage rate currently is two two and a half percent um three percent yeah so Big difference. A mortgage is fine. It's not going to blow up in your face quickly like a credit card would. Mm -hmm. And if you've got a whole bunch of credit cards and you now can't make payments, 
you're probably going to need to talk to someone like Lawrence Hugo from Credit Mediation Services. There's a little plug for Lawrence, but he's worth plugging. Yeah, um, absolutely. Because it, it could, you know, if you went without work for six months, that could blow up in your face pretty pretty badly. So Yeah, yeah. So I just want to say, you know, when, when you do call your bank and they are expecting that call, um, but there are, are a couple of things that you need to do before you make that call. Okay, because I believe that people need to actually sit down and work out what they need to gather some information. Okay, so they need to work out what their essential expenses are, what they actually have to pay for at the moment. So and they also need to write down a list of their debts. So they might have a mortgage, a personal loan, they might have credit cards. Okay, Mm -hmm. so by doing that, they can then work out exactly what they can realistically afford to pay right now. And if that's nothing, it's nothing, or it may be a small amount of that payment that has to happen. You know, Um, the only thing with stopping payment on a credit card is that that interest won't stop, right? Um, And that could be a very expensive exercise, okay? You know, you and I have been talking about for a long time about, you know, Imagine that your three-year-old granddaughter fell ill and needed a $100,000 operation. What would you give up? What would you go without so that you could come up with the money to save that child's life? Now, we've Mm -hmm. been giving scenarios for quite a while and to try and get people to think about, what would I do if the the sky fell? And it's it's almost, I'm going to say funny, but it's not funny. It's, It's a little sobering to think that where we're at right now, is exactly the kind of situation that we've been trying to get people to imagine yeah. and, and maybe even pretend that this had happened to, to take a serious look at their expenses and work out what's essential. Mm-hmm. And now I think people have don't need us to sort of bark on about that for too much longer because I think they know exactly what we're talking about. Yeah. So what are the things that you absolutely can't do without? And what are the things that you can do without and what are the luxuries that obviously you're going to go without and Mm. get really clear. And and you're saying to do that before you ring the bank so that you can give them precise figures. Yeah, just so you've got it clear in your head because so many people will will call the bank and it becomes an emotional conversation rather than a logical one, okay? Mm -hmm. And the thing is, it's really important when you're speaking to the bank to try and keep emotion out of the equation because you know what? Even these people that are working in the bank, they're hearing these stories at the moment probably hundredfold, thousandfold, mm-hmm. right? They're, everyone's in the same situation, okay? So so the bank doesn't necessarily need to know your particular story at this point. What they do need to know is that you're currently in hardship and you need their help, okay? Yep. So by simply taking the time to put down those essential expenses, what you can realistically afford to pay, when you make that phone call, it becomes a logical conversation. Yeah, right? And considering that there are thousands of people in the same boat at the moment, that it would be really nice to them to save the time yep. on the phone by being as prepared as you possibly can. Yep, absolutely. They need yep. to talk to the next caller and the next caller and the next caller as well. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Okay. So number two, David. Yes. Well, this is an interesting one that came out of a conversation that you and I had with Kent McDonald from K2 Wealth on one of our Q&A sessions. Um, because the, the possibility of drawing $10,000 from your superannuation fund before the end of the financial year and possibly another $10,000 next financial year 
-hmm. is something that's been put on the table by the, the government. Yeah. So if you're in hardship and you need money, you could pull it out of your super. But the conversation we had with Kent was, okay, so what if someone doesn't have a lot of money in their super fund? Pulling out $10,000 may leave them with very little. And Kent brought to our attention the fact that most people have life insurance within their superannuation. And that life insurance usually is, a, it, re it relies on a certain balance being in the fund. Mm -hmm. And it relies on the fact that your employer is contributing what they call a superannuation guarantee, yep. which I think is about nine and a half percent of your wages on top of mm -hmm. your wages. Yep. So yeah, you, everybody needs, who's in this situation needs to ring their superannuation fund and find out whether they're still going to have insurance, life insurance and disability mm. insurance and all of that normal cover that they would have. Uh, and if they don't have it, then they need to take action to make sure that they can make interim arrangements. Yeah, and Kent actually, um, he said that was a really important point, you know, because those insurances, as you say, are are coming out of the money that is going into your super. So if there's no money going in, then those insurance covers could be stopping. So that's so critical to ask that question. Yeah. Um, the other thing too, some superannuation funds have a minimum amount that has to be kept in that fund and it's basically to fund those insurances, right? Yeah. Um, so, and I think Ken said that Australian super has a $5,000 minimum that needs to stay in the account. Other superannuation funds might be different. So people have to ask the question, you know, what is the minimum balance that has to stay in my fund? do I have $10,000 to withdraw from my fund right at this moment? And um, am I still covered for insurance if no payments are actually being made into my super fund because I no longer have employment, yeah. right? So interesting. And I mean, you'd hope that people have got a lot more than you know 15,000 in their superannuation. So if they pulled out 10, they would have more mm. than five. But I mean, the older you get, obviously, the chance of you having more in your super fund is higher. And the younger you are, the less likelihood there is of having a large balance. Yep. But, but the, I guess the good thing about that is younger people have got more time to recover from having pulled money out of their super mm. uh, because time is the most important factor in an investment. You know, you, you invest $50 a week for 50 years and you're a multimillionaire. Mm. Now, if you invest $50 a week for 10 years, you're probably not. <laughs> yeah. So if you're pulling 10 grand out of your super and you're in your 60s, um, that's 10 grand you're not going to have to retire on. Yeah. It's that simple. Yeah. Yep. Actually, it just it might be interesting. You know, we did some modeling the other night when we were talking to Kent and I looked at the possibility if somebody in their mid 30s pulled 10 grand out of their super fund, it was probably going to make a $100,000 difference in what they would collect at retirement age. Mm. Uh, but on the other side, they've got time to save that back again. Whereas some Well, that's right. And they didn't have to put much more into their super fund to actually recoup that loss, did they? No, it was only about $15 a week or something like that. Yeah, yeah, something really... Mind you, if you're 60 and you pull 10 grand out, that's only 10 grand less you can <laughs> you can only get at <laughs> retirement. So, well, yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. Okay, so... so I think we need to put a disclaimer. It would be really... And I know people are probably thinking, I can't afford to pay a professional right now. Yeah. But I, I think we really need to stress here that going and getting financial advice 
it's something that people really should be doing if they're at all unsure yeah. about pulling money out of their super. Yeah. If one of our listeners decides, you know, oh, that's what I need to do, it's a pretty simple, you know, you go to the, is it the MyGov website? It's pretty easy to, if you Googled how to get 10000 out of my super, yeah. Yeah. you'll find the MyGov website and the instructions on how to go about applying for that. You simply fill in a, a, an online form and say, I've lost my job. I need some money. You know, I think it's if your income's dropped by 20%. Yeah, that's, that's right. You mm-hmm. can apply for that. But, of course, you need to say, well, am I just doing that because I can? Because it would be great to have 10 grand right now or are you doing that because you really need it to survive? Yeah. And the less you pull out, the, the better you're going to be in retirement. But mm-hmm. you know, I actually think, lastly, on that topic, it's really important to know if you can't just go, oh, look, I'll pull five out this week and then see how I go and maybe next month I'll pull out another five. Mm. It doesn't work that way. You yeah. get one bite of the cherry this financial year and one bite of the cherry next financial year. So what you do draw out is you need to be sure that that's going to be enough for for what you need. Mm, Yep, yep. Okay, so number three, David. Putting a plan together. Now, at the start of this, we said we disagreed with the advice to do a budget. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I think what we call a budget is a little bit different to what what you're, I think you're hinting that you want me to go to next. (laughs) Yep. People do need to make a, a basic plan, don't they? Um, they do. And I think they a do. spending plan is something that works where a budget really doesn't. And I know you've got examples of clients that have come to you. In fact, you mentioned one there just before where they've gone, holy smoke. Yep. You know, we've just had our income halved. Mm-hmm. How do we do this? Mm-hmm. And yep. actually, I'll let you um, talk about Well, that. yeah. And that was pretty exciting, David, because... She, this client actually came to me yesterday and we sat down for 15 minutes and it didn't take us any longer than that. We looked at her plan and we said, okay, fine, let's halve your income and let's take out the mortgage. Those were the first two things we did, okay? And then we looked at what is absolutely essential in this plan. What do we absolutely have to pay right at this moment, right? Because what people have to realise is that this is short-term. This is not going to last forever. This crisis will soon be over, right? And we'll all go back to, you know, create a new normal normal or whatever that looks like. So um, so we, in 15 minutes, we had um, created a new spending plan for her and she looked at me and said, oh, my goodness, I didn't know that we could live on 50% of our income and still be okay. And then she said to me, and you know what? We still have Netflix. My kids will be so happy. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. Um, Mind mind you, they can only do it on half because the banks are saying don't bother making repayments for a little while. But they had to do that because can you imagine (laughs) the chaos if the bank said, no, everybody needs to keep paying, they'd be repossessing a couple of million houses and I don't think that would go well for them. So. No, that's exactly right. Yeah. And do you know, David, I, I actually, we have what we call our top 10 transactions, okay, that need to be paid. Yep. <clears throat> and these are the absolute essentials, okay? Now, if you take out a mortgage and you look at the top 10 transactions, so we're looking at food, electricity, rates, insurances, and in this plan we've got health insurance, life insurance and car insurance, yep. um, childcare expenses, we have chemist and medical, we have fuel, mobile slash internet, 
registration and water okay so mm. they're the 10 essential things that we still have to pay for yep. now for an average family of four that amounts to $38,440 on this looking at an average family of four David, so just can I stop you there so that figure is just from an average from your clients yeah it's an average from my clients okay, okay. so $38,400 is what the, an average family of four, based on my clientele, um, would be able to live on if you took out the mortgage. And I that didn't surprise me at all because I already knew that um, people can actually live on the pension, believe it or not. Yeah. Um, it yeah. is actually possible. Um, you don't have much of a life, but at the moment, our life has been curtailed anyway yep. and we just have to pay for the essentials. Well, that's right. right. We're not driving here, there and everywhere and we're not partying. and No going out to dinner and all that's gone. So, yes, our costs have been chopped whether we liked it or not. Yeah, that's exactly right. And so when you look at that figure, David, you know, $38,000 is not a lot of money, okay? No. But it's doable and for the next three months or six months or however long this little, you know, bump in the road, if you want to call it, is going to last, we can survive on very little. All right. So... So I think that's pretty clear. So get a, if you haven't got a spending plan, get a spending plan. Uh, findaspendingplanner.com is where you find a spending planner to help you put a spending plan together. And I know right now spending planners are doing whatever it takes to help people get started. Yeah. Um, so it's definitely a, a time to be talking to a spending planner to get that in place because as, as you just heard, you know, 15 minutes, you took a spending plan that was on like about 120,000 income, I think. 120,000 income, yep. yep. And and you made it work on just over 50, if I remember. Just over correctly. 50, yep. So, David, just before we finish that, though, I because we already said, you know, budgets are useless and, you know, they don't work and we're telling people not to do a budget. Can you just explain really clearly and succinctly in, you know, 10 words or less. No, I'm only kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I might go 11, yep. Um, what the difference is between a spending plan and a budget. Thank you, Dave. 11 words, I'll go. Okay. Um, a budget is where people make a list of their incomes and often there's only one or two, so they start with incomes because it's easy. And then they'll list their expenses and all of their expenses have been averaged down to a per pay cycle. So, you might pay your rates twice a year, but you'd add it up for the year and divide by 52 if you got paid weekly so you could compare that part of your budget with your income. And so you end up averaging all of your costs down to a per pay amount. You add up your costs on one side, you look at your income on this side, your costs on that side, and you ask the question, does this work? And if you've got more income and expenses, you would go yes. And if you've got more expenses and income, you'd go no. And you'd go back to your list of expenses and see what you could chop out or you'd think about how you could increase your income. The problem is, it's a, it's a wonderful exercise to go through. It, it's a big waste of time, but it's a wonderful exercise if you've never done it. But at the end of it, all you've got is a document that says, hey, you guys should be able to pay your way. You should be able to make ends meet. But what a spending plan is, is it's a document and it's a live document that says, here is how you make ends meet. And the first thing that's different to a budget is the amounts that we put in a spending plan are not an average of this much a week for rates, this much a week for phone, this much a week for car registration, blah, blah, blah. It's 
how much do you need when this thing happens and when does it happen next? And it will make the money pop up on the date that the bill arrives. The money will pop up and say, I'm here for the bill, which is it's telling you how to do it. Follow these, you know, join the dots, follow this roadmap. It's a bit like a GPS, I guess, for your money. Whereas a budget is just a road sign that says somewhere over there is money success. Um, a GPS says, if you get off track, it says, this is how you get back on track. Mm, yeah. So it's a vast difference. And I know that was more than 10 words, so I'll apologise for that. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's okay. But that was a really good explanation. Thank you for that. All yeah. right. So moving on, what is our number four? Number four. Okay. So I think we've dealt with most of the money-related issues that are the most important. But considering that we're all going to have cabin fever locked in the house with the kids and, and the other half who, you know, maybe we like to have that distance going to work every day. And, yeah. You know, suddenly we're all going to be on top of each other for a while. So I think it's about looking after our, I think you, you refer to this as mindset. I think mental health, it, it's yep. how to get through this, not financially, but personally is probably yeah. a good way to say it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I actually have, have, have a little story just to one of my, my friends and clients. She actually has four children and um, I think her eldest is about 13 now, mm -hmm. maybe 14 even, and, um, and the little one is six, I think. Yep. So around there. And um, they're, they're busy um, <laughs> creating new routines and creating, you know, new, new habits, basically. Mm -hmm. And, and one of the things she shared the other day on social media was um, that she shared a part of her day. And she said she had set up a couple of like the older children on their schoolwork, right, because yeah. they were homeschooling by this stage. And um, she said the, the middle one, she had set her up to do a task as well. And she took the little one for a walk just her and her and the little one. Yep. And when she got home, um, you know, the next child said, hey, mummy, when, when do I get my private walk? And so mm -hmm. she said, okay. So she set up the little one, you know, to do something. She took the next one for her private walk. Well, each of the kids that day got their private walk with mummy, right? Well, how irresponsible and was that? She's left three kids at home alone. I know, she <laughs> did. It's okay, the oldest one's 14, they were fine. Yeah, yeah. And they're really good kids anyway. But, and she didn't go far, I'm sure. And stop saying that, David. I That's was terrible. just having fun with you. <laughs> I know you were. Um, but it's she. she's creating new habits and new routines. To and, and that would never have happened, would it? No, absolutely. And, and, you know, the kids were, oh, mummy, I really loved our, our walk that we had just together, just for us, you just know. Me. Yep. Yeah. How cool is that? Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. So really what we're talking about here is people creating new routines and, and sticking to them because if you're at home, it could be easy to just go, oh, well, I don't need to get out of bed. I'll just stay in my pyjamas. I'm just going to be a slob. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <laughs> although you yeah. wouldn't actually think that, but you could turn yourself into a slob. Oh, look, very easy, David. And I've, I've often said, you know, even when I started my business and I'd, I'd finished working, you know, in the real world and, and came to my office world and, um, and one of the first, first things I did was I created this new routine of, well, it wasn't a new routine, it was the old routine of getting up every morning, getting ready for work and I made the habit of actually getting dressed as though I was going to work. And if I wasn't in my office by eight o'clock running my business, then I wasn't ready for work. 
night. And I actually said to someone the other day, you know, um, if the kids are homeschooling, they should be still up at the same time, having their breakfast, getting ready for school. Even if you have to say to them, you know what, guys, you still need to wear your school uniform because you're still going to school. You're just Mm -hmm. not leaving the house, right? And um, it's, it's a new routine and, but it, it gets, it's a mindset thing because then the kids are thinking, oh, all right, wow, I yep. still do need to go to school. It, right? It's the habit that makes it easy to get the things done that need to be done. And so yeah, putting absolutely. on the school uniform is like a trigger we're doing school. That's exactly uh, right. And I'm, and I'm not, yeah, we're not saying people should put their kids in their school uniform, but if that's what they decide to do, yeah, that may be a, a great way to make, okay, it's school time. Yeah. And, well, that's right. But it's, it's having that routine and saying, you know what, um, if mummy's working from home, then this is mummy's space and she's working from home. If daddy's working from home, this is daddy's space. Yep. If the kids are working from home, this is the kid's space, you know, and everyone is doing a certain thing for this amount of time and at 10 o'clock we're going to stop for morning tea yep. and at 12 o'clock we're going to stop for lunch, you know, yep. and it's it's just keeping that routine and, and that habit, you know. And so the other thing, David, just with mindset and mental health is turn off the TV, okay, please turn off the TV. <laughs> yeah, we're all sick of listening to I them. know. I don't want to hear any more about COVID-19 other than, the get the update for the day, right, so this is closed today or that's closed today or or this has happened, and then turn it off. You don't need to listen to it anymore. Avoid social media. And I, having said that, I actually joined a site on social media that I would say to people it's a great place to be because it's actually called the Kindness Pandemic, right? Mm-hmm. And it's a, a site with great stories of people doing amazing things. And have we got time for me to tell a really good story about my mum-in-law? Yeah, yeah, sure. If it's just a quickie, let's go for it. Okay, cool. Because my mum-in-law normally meets my husband for coffee um, one day a week, right? Mm-hmm. And he couldn't come this day because he'd been called into a meeting. And so she got her takeaway coffee and she was sitting in the middle of the shopping centre just in their permanent seating because all the other seatings now disappeared. And um, she was just outside Coles. And one lady came outside Coles and saw her sitting there and came up and said, are you okay? And mum said, oh, yeah, I'm fine. I just was supposed to be meeting my son, but he couldn't come because he had a meeting and da-da-da. And they had a nice little chat, you know. And then another person a few minutes later came out of Coles and handed mum some toilet paper. (laughs) And and mum looked at her and she said, okay. And this lady said, oh, you know what? She said, I thought I'd just buy extra and I thought I'd give it to somebody who looked like they needed it. And she said, and I think you look like you might be able to use this toilet paper. (laughs) I said, thank you so much. You know, she was, and then she's like, oh, I don't know if I've got anywhere to put it, you know. <laughs> but it was just a really lovely, a lovely gesture. story. Yeah. And again, it's about mindset. It's we're so so busy at the moment trying to look after ourselves <clears throat> and we need to look beyond what's happening. We need to be, you know, just thinking about other people and other people's needs because it gets us out of our own space, yeah. right? It's the story of, you know, I thought I was hard done by when I had no shoes until I saw the man who had no feet. So Yeah, that's exactly right. That's right. So All right, we better get cracking on. I know. So that's mindset and mental health. So number five is, um, you know, creating your new normal. Okay. Um, So do you want to do this one? Well, I I, I think, 
we were talking earlier, and I, I think this is a really, you know, we, we've got this coronavirus and we can look at it as a terrible thing or we can look at it as a positive. And I think that's what we need to do, don't we? We need to look yeah. at it. And I think you used the word, we've been given a gift. Yeah, we really um, have. Do you know what, David? And I know I've said this myself. How often have you said things like, oh, my goodness, my life is crazy. I just yep. want to stop the roundabout and get off. Just, just stop the world for a minute. I just, I just want to get off. I well, remember you know that what? so strongly when I was in my mid-30s. I just wanted the world to stop so I could catch up with my payments. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, you know what, David? Guess what? The, the world, world has stopped. just stopped. <laughs> <laughs> yep, stop the world, but I'm not getting off. <laughs> well, no, that's right. So how do we create a new normal? Right, because we are. We, we're about to create a new normal. And, yep. you know, during our life... We, we go through so many times when we have to create a new normal, you know. And this is really interesting, you know, because I hadn't thought about this much until earlier when we were sort of getting ready for this podcast. And you've actually identified a lot of times when new normal comes along. Yep. And the first and most, most obvious one is when a new baby comes into the house because that's yep. definitely a change of routine. I think you've probably got a few others to. That I yeah, well, you think, think about it, you know. Um, so, new baby in the house, absolutely. You know, you're starting a new job. I've actually got an, a niece at the moment who only two months ago moved all the way to Wales, right, for a new job. And she put a post up. So, she's on her own, alone over there. She knows nobody. She's now not even in a work environment. She's in a home environment. And she put a photo up of her little home office and she said, getting used to the new normal, mm -hmm. right? And this wasn't what I expected. So, yep. yeah. So, for her, big new normal, you know. Mm -hmm. You think about divorce. That's a new normal. Marriage, a new normal. Being widowed or losing a loved one or yep. having to deal with an illness, you know, yep. it's they're, they're all new. They're all crisis crises, right? Yep. And and the crisis that we're currently facing is just another time when we need to create a new normal for ourselves. So yes, we get lots of new normals, lots of new opportunities for new normals, and it looks like we've had one thrust upon us now. So why don't we make it a positive? I think that's the message that we should get. It, we're trying to get across to people. Yeah, we have to accept what we can't change. We have to control what we can control. Right. Yep. And um, as spending planners, we talk about that all the time, don't we? Take yeah, we really do. Take control of what is controllable. Yep. And accept that there's some stuff we can't control. But yep. 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 Um, create some new habits, you know, and new routines for the home. Yep. Um, be kind to yourself and to others. You know. Mm -hmm. yep. Um, remain calm. Be Stay patient. Calm. Yep. 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 Cool. All right. So let's do a quick quick summary. Yep. Talk to the people that you owe money to and, and get a moratorium. There's a new big word for the day. Mm -hmm. um, talk to your superannuation fund and find out whether you've still got insurance. Consider the possibility of pulling money out of your super fund. Also, you know, talk to a, a financial planner or a professional about what are the ramifications of that. The mechanics of it are pretty simple. MyGov website, apply for it and it'll all happen. And then a spending plan. Getting a, getting a list of the things that you absolutely have to do before you go to talk to the bank so that you can give them really quickly, this is my situation. And then staying positive, creating habits, creating routines so that you, you keep yourself from being the slob that you could become if you're just stuck at home doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and, 
yeah, yeah. So the and world doing of, things to create a new normal because well, we're right. in a time of new normal. Yeah. <laughs> Look, the world on the other side of all this will not be the same world that we knew prior to COVID-19. So let's just make sure that it's a better one. So given look, all the turmoil, or should I say the chaos that the world is in right now, what we've been talking about today is really important stuff. And I sincerely hope that we've been able to give people some direction and some hope for a future that is not as bad as what the media hype is suggesting it might be. If our listeners have anything at all they'd like to add to this topic, or maybe they've got a question that they would like answered relating to it, or any other question for that matter, it's very simple. Here's what they should do. If they're a member of our Facebook group, they can just post their question or their comments on the Facebook forum. If they're not a member, hey, join our Facebook group. Just search for Succeed With Money podcast within Facebook. We don't turn too many people away, so get in there. (laughs) Once you're in, you can post your question and we'll respond to that. And I say this every week, if you're not on Facebook, just email us, admin at spendingplannersinstitute.com. Succeed with Money is a podcast series by the Spending Planners Institute. Carol and you and I look forward to chatting every week and I'm looking forward to our next one because there's so much that's important that we need to talk about at the moment. You know, nobody fails with money on purpose. Sometimes the sky falls, but ultimately, you know, we're all in this together and our part is that we want to help people with great information to help them do that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Stay safe. Bye for now. Bye for now.